0: Thank <laughs> you. Hey, welcome aboard the Sing Second Sports Podcast. I'm your host, John Schofield. Joining me as always is the co-host Ward Carroll, class of 82, and our special guest, Bill Wagner. Special thanks as always to our producer, class of 99 grad Chris Cervello. As we record this, still in the throes of the COVID pandemic, and nothing hammers that home more. Then the announcement that Navy men's basketball has paused all activities and had their next four games postponed due to coronavirus issues. This on top of a bunch of of other things out there um, where COVID is really reasserting itself into the national conversation. It's obviously this isn't going away for us locally here on this podcast. It obviously hurts a lot. Uh, that Navy men's basketball has to deal with this again, um, you know that they have a tier one case uh, that that kind of triggers this threshold of, of cancellation. So we'll see how they do that as Navy basketball has hit pause, we're at a very exciting point of spring and fall sports really coming back you know and we were reminded of this by the lacrosse rankings that came out, Navy men's lacrosse not ranked, which, Kind of surprising to me, Navy women's lacrosse uh, ranked 21st in the country, uh, tied with Penn State. So I'll kick it to Ward first. A lot of excitement about lacrosse coming in and men's gymnastics just had a virtual meet. And, you know, we, we've, we've been anxiously awaiting the spring and the onset of the vaccine as a return to normalcy and then boom this. What, what are your thoughts on these?
1: Well, we're used to this sort of adjustment based on COVID results and audibly it's what we were doing last semester. We get glimmers of hope and then they're seized away from us as Wags and I reported before the last home basketball game. Uh, The women's team has already been affected by a COVID spike. And so now it's hitting the men's team. So it's disappointing uh, because we have been enjoying the, uh, the access and being able to report on home games, and uh, now you know, potentially not not happening. To what degree the season will be impacted, obviously is TBD. And you know, we we've talked to Coach Amplo and and we have high hopes for what he's going to do. Never mind the rankings. You know, the way to get moved up in the rankings is to start winning on the field. And uh, you know, we we have a strong sense that based on what happened last year, that he's going to bring it, and he's got a great team. So. Hopefully that rug won't be pulled out from under us and we'll have to see as you framed it accurately, you know, the UK variant, the South African variant, all of these things happening on our shores. Maryland is a standout state in terms of having a population that has contracted those variants. Uh, so when you look at a map of the United States, we're one of the reds, you know, sort of glowing states with respect to COVID pandemic. Um, so we're, we're dealing with it. That's, you know, running against the distribution of the vaccine. We have some intel now based on one of our interviews with, uh, with the midshipman hockey player, how that's going to go down with the brigade. So it's looking like late spring-ish um, that we would be uh, be potentially in a situation where we can have sports with fans and normalcy. Um, but I think we're, we're just going to have to adjust to what the the you know, virus situation presents. And I think we've seen the resilience of midshipmen. We've been amazed and morale raised by the resilience of midshipmen since the show came into existence. I just think back to me at that age, I doubt I would have had the same attitude, the same sanguine outlook. Um, And so I think we should just lean on that um, and uh, just, uh, you know, hope and pray that things get get better.
0: Wags, on, on your front, you wrote a great article yesterday about Navy wrestling in the face of these issues, uh, participating in a one-day EIWA tournament on February 26th. They're coming off of the heels of a pretty dominant win, um, I believe, over Cleveland State or, or something state where they won like 37-0. And we were talking before we recorded about how rare it is to bagel a team um in in wrestling so from from your perspective you know how big is this for the navy wrestling program and the fighting collats as i like to call them and then you know what are what do you anticipate is going to be the the future of men's basketball
2: well with regard to wrestling we'll start with that uh the eiwa tournament no details nothing about the exact date location etc had been announced because it was a bit in uh, uh, limbo, and a part of that is trying to ascertain what schools that are part of the Eastern Intercollegiate Wrestling Association were going to participate, and the Ivy League schools are out, and that's significant because the Ivy League schools are among the best in the EIWA, and so uh, the what, what that's going to do, and we don't need to get into too much minutiae, but it's going to impact how many uh, wrestlers, the EIWA, gets into the national tournament because it's all based on your strength of your, of your conference, if you will. So Big Ten Conference, Atlantic Coast Conference, all the various conferences get uh, a certain number of wrestlers into the national championship tournament. And uh, EIWA is probably going to get fewer at-large bids because of this situation. Only 10 schools are participating in the EIWA tournament, Navy, of course, being one of them. And since there's only 10 schools and since they're trying to avoid having a bunch of wrestlers staying in hotels, it will only be a one day event. It's going, uh, uh, to be held up in Pennsylvania off campus. So two of uh, various, two historical notes. First time EIWA tournament is not being held on the campus of a member school. First time since 1909 that it's only a one day tournament. Um, I talked to Coach Colat today. He said it is what it is in the current environment. It's a good thing we're having a tournament. We're going to be able to qualify wrestlers for the nationals, and uh, it's a, the safest way we can do it. One day in and out, you drive there in the morning, you wrestle, and you leave in the uh, evening. So uh, good for Navy. Uh, they are ranked. They moved up in the rankings to number twenty-one. They had uh, come in at twenty-four last week. And it was the first time in, since 2017, the Navy been ranked in the top 25. So coach Cole, doing good things with the wrestling program. Um, well, the other thing is you wanted, you asked me about basketball. I talked to coach to after the announcement that the American and Lafayette games have been postponed. He's disappointed because Navy basketball is on a roll. They're doing so well. They've handled this uh, weekend doubleheader situation better than any team in the country. And you know, now there's a wild card. They may not play a game for three weeks. As of now, that's the way the schedule sets up. Um, one very interesting element of this is uh, we, I think we've talked in the past that to qualify for the Patriot League tournament, you must play 12 games. Navy is actually ahead of the game as compared to some other Patriot League schools. Navy has nine games in, uh, uh, under the belt, and so they only need three more. However, the other element of Patriot League play is that your divisional pod is most important. So Navy's in the South Division pod with American and Loyola. That means the American and Loyola games that have been postponed take precedence in terms of being rescheduled. So the Lafayette doubleheader of February 13th, 14th, that's not going to be made up. Uh, it's not a, that important in the grand scheme of things, but here's what's real notable. There's a good chance the second Army-Navy doubleheader scheduled for West Point won't be held because it's more important for Navy to play the doubleheader that just got canceled against American because it's a South Divisional Pod game, and uh, I will I expect the Patriot League to announce the Navy will be playing American the third weekend of February and not army. So, um, and cause they're, they're running out of time. The Patriot league tournaments due to mar- start March 6th. Navy already, the Patriot league built an open weekend toward the, into the end of the season, because they anticipated this. They anticipated they're going to have all sorts of games that need to be made up. So they left an open weekend. Well, Navy's already filled that open weekend with its makeup doubleheader against Loyola from the beginning of the season. So, they're running out of open weekends to get games, and the American doubleheader takes precedence over the Army doubleheader because it's a South divisional game.
1: So, so this is deja vu to football and the AAC last fall in terms of the matrix you just outlined. What's more important, the USF game or the Temple game, right? That, that same kind of logic is, is now in play for basketball.
2: Exactly right, Ward. I mean, they created these divisional pods, and the path to the Patriot League tournament is you must finish first or second in your divisional pod. So to make things fair, you got to play the pod games. And right now, Navy has got three outstanding pod games. They did not play the back end of the Loyola doubleheader from this past weekend. Uh, got postponed Saturday or Sunday due to snow, and then it was supposed to be played Tuesday and didn't get played because Navy had the inconclusive test which proved positive as it turns out which is why they're not playing american so navy needs to make up two games against american and one against loyola to complete their south divisional pod games and that's why i don't think the army
3: doubleheader is going to be played so wags i wanted to jump in i just have a couple questions on things that that you said so you said um, 12 games are those 12 divisional games or 12
2: games total it's 12 games total chris um with the, the bulk of those being divisional. I think Navy was originally supposed to play eight total games against American and Loyola, which comprises the significant
3: percentage of their Patriot League schedule. Two more questions. One is about the women's team. But before I uh, we jump off of the men's team, what in your conversation with the coach, what are the um, – because both you, Ward, and John talked about how hot the team was – what are they doing if they can't practice together? I mean, what what guidance did he give the squad in order to keep their mind and their body engaged so that when they do get to play, um, it, it's not as big of a ramp up?
2: That's a great question, Chris, because that the word you just used, engaged, is the exact word that Coach Tuchelis used. That's what he's most concerned about. Uh, going 10 days, they cannot have any team activities. They cannot be in person doing anything, no practice, no weight training, nothing. So he and the staff have put priority on keeping the players engaged. And there's they, they're having team-building exercises via, via uh, online Zoom platform. They're, uh, they've got the strength and conditioning coordinators. Brandon Spade is sending each player a workout regimen that they have to do on their own. They're going to have to – and it puts a lot of responsibility on the players – to work out on their own. They, they, the coaches can't be there and the strength and conditioning coordinator can't be there to make sure they're doing it. So, yeah, that's the big concern of Coach Tuchelis is how to keep these players engaged over the next 10 days while they can't have their hands on them.
3: And then lastly, let's talk about the women. Um, we mentioned in our last pod about their victory over Army. We misspoke and, and alluded uh, that that may have been the end star game. That was not the N-Star game. Their N-Star game is going to be played at uh, Alumni Hall, um, you know, later. What, where, do, where are the women now, as the men deal with COVID, like the women dealt with COVID earlier in the season, where is the women's team and, and what does it mean for them, if anything?
2: Yes, I'm glad you brought that up, Chris. That was my mistake, thinking that because
3: the N-Star game
2: was that Saturday for men, it would be the same for women. But no, the Navy hosts the N-Star game this season, which is why the N-Star game is due to be the first Saturday game when Navy hosts Army. Uh, It will be on uh, February 20th and 21st are the dates that Navy women are hosting Army. With respect to the Patriot League, the Navy women are in a much more precarious position in terms of reaching this 12-game threshold. Navy women currently only have four conference games in the bag. So they got to get eight games in, and you know time is slipping away. They had the Loyola doubleheader last
3: weekend postponed. And to make it worse, this weekend's games against American have been canceled.
2: Doubleheader with American, Lafayette, and Army, that's uh, six games. And then they, they rescheduled a previously canceled doubleheader with Loyola for that open weekend I discussed, the February 27th, 28 open weekend, Navy's now supposed to make up its games with Loyola. Navy has to play every one of those games I just mentioned in order to reach the threshold of 12 to qualify for the Patriot League tournament.
0: We are going to go to break. Um, when we come back, we've got uh, awesome interviews with Joe Amplo and Kevin Harris of the Navy men's B hockey team. So stick with us. This is Insight Sports.
3: You're listening to Sing Second Sports with John Schofield, Ward Carroll, and special guest, Bill Wagner of the Annapolis Capitol. If you like what you hear, hit like below and share with your classmates and friends. Let us know how we're doing. Hit us up on Twitter at We Sing Second. That's at We Sing Second. Now back to the pod.
0: Hey, hey, we are back on Sing Second Sports. Thanks for sticking with us. Uh, so happy to be joined by midshipman Kevin Harris. Kevin is a senior and the captain of the Navy hockey B team. Uh, Kevin, thank you so much for joining Sing Second Sports. What can you tell us about what's going on? You know, right now as we record this, it's uh, February fourth. Um, I think the second semester has started. You know, what what's what's the second semester looking like for you?
4: I'd say it's like. Really, only up to go from here. We've got some things that are hoping that'll be able to happen. We're like the firsties finally getting our ring dance. Um, I'm looking forward to getting back on the ice, getting back to working out with my team, maybe trying to get some games going. And I'm also really, really looking forward to graduate. So
0: we talk about the dark ages all the time. How are you doing mentally, you know, with, with everything else? You know, you, the four years ago before you came to the Naval Academy to play hockey. I'm quite sure you didn't have this in mind for how it was going to go. But like any good naval officer, you take the lemons and you make lemonade and you drive on and you motivate your troops. So mentally, how are you doing?
4: I won't lie. There's there's been some difficult times. But uh, at the end of the day, um, I know that like I didn't come here to play hockey. I came here to be an officer Um, and I know that I'm still working towards that, still accomplishing that. So like keeping that goal in mind has really, really helped.
0: Uh, before I kick it over to Ward, what did you service assign?
4: Uh, I was selected for Marine Corps ground. Nice.
0: All right. Ward, go ahead. Oh, Hey Kevin, do you have a TBS date yet?
4: I do not have a date yet. We put in our preferences. Um, I'm hoping to go in September so I can attend a couple of weddings this summer, but we'll see. Um, it's, it's, it's obviously my preference, but then at the end of the day, I'll, I'll go where they tell me. So
1: that's good. That's a good attitude for a Marine. Um, so, um, what's the path to normalcy as far as what you're seeing? Or vaccine? Is there a vaccine distribution plan that you know about? Because you you talk about some of the basics, like hey, it would be nice to have a ring dance. It would be nice to have a real commissioning week, you know, with with Blue Angels and now that they're flying the Super Horn, it'd be cool to see them. And you know, it would be nice for this year's youngsters to have a Hernan climb. I guess they'll do back to back Herndon climbs or something. Um, but do, do we have a path to, to normalcy or is it just sort of play it by ear and work with the governor and audible and, and you know, what, what sh- not to put too much. This is probably a, a question for the dot or the soup. What's your understanding of, of what's going to happen to change what's going on right now?
4: So what I understand is that there's going to be an opportunity for people to get the vaccine sometime in the near future. I think the goal they've been saying is sometime around April so that people will be vaccinated in order to do summer trainings. Um, it's also going to be like, they can't force us to take it since it's not uh, FDA authorized. So we have, to, we have to volunteer for it at the time being, but a lot of trainings will probably require people to be vaccinated. So um, other than that, um, I think it's going to be the same as last semester, where we're going to kind of stagger Liberty out and go from like a small radius to then um, increase the radius at overnights. Uh, and I'm, I'm hoping they do that pretty soon. We did start in-person classes this past week. I haven't been able to attend any of them, but uh, as, soon as, as soon as I'm out of ISO, then I'll be I'll be back in the classroom. Some some faculty, if, if the classrooms are big enough, are coming in to teach. Um, others are not able to just because of the class sizes or some classes do, like half the students in the building and half on half virtually, and they flip each week. But right. I think once once the vaccine comes, um, absolutely we're going to see more and more people coming back to the classrooms.
1: So let's talk hockey. I, I know that the BSC has been shut down because that's where I work out in normal times. Um, But I do see like youth hockey going on there sometimes. Um, I don't know what the status has been recently in light of this spike in the state of Maryland. Uh, And I know I've talked to one of your teammates that you guys were at least training. um, And I don't know what percentage of that was actually on ice. And I know that you want to get, like you said, back to working out with your teammates and then potentially uh, some some exhibitions perhaps. And, you know, we're not obviously not doing the crab pot and other full up cool stuff that the hockey team does. Uh, But what do you think the crawl walk run looks like for you in terms of the
4: hockey team? Uh, So it's probably going to, again, mirror last semester. Um, What happened then was the uh, A team, since they're a club A sport got approval to go over and start skating Uh, or start working out. And then once they put ice in, then we were able to start skating and both teams were able to conduct uh, tryouts uh, since we were, everyone was technically trying out for A and then B as well. Um, And then, so this, this semester, it's going to be as soon as the uh, A team gets approval to go over and practice, then um, the B team is going to have to put in a special request to the commandant to be able to get like a, special authorization since ECAs aren't allowed to, uh, practice yet. Um, and then hopefully, hopefully we'll be able to just get on their bus schedule, get over there, start skating two, three days a week. Um, and then once, as soon as we, um, as soon as we, like, as the B team get approval to start practicing, then we're going to do everything we can to get army down here for a game. So that's our, that's our first priority.
1: Like it wags.
2: Well, I was going to ask about, you know, I'm familiar with varsity sports and how they're operating and the fact that they are doing regular testing in order to compete. So I was curious, what how is how are club sports operating at the Naval Academy? Because uh, that's an important part of the physical mission. Uh, not everybody can be a varsity athlete. So the other ways to fulfill the physical mission are through club sports or intramural sports. How are they operating so that the midshipmen can fulfill their obligations
4: uh so we're we're pretty fortunate in that we have um our team has an athletic trainer every morning she sends out a google form where we fill it out to like um basically track our any symptoms our body temperature every day uh if we've had any close contacts with people with covid and that kind of determines on if we'll be allowed to go over and start working out we also have uh, an advantage that a lot of club hockey teams don't have, and that's having our own rink, our own facilities. Um, so that's that's that was what allowed us to really practice last fall. Um, and yeah, I, th- I think club sports are kind of getting authorized on a case-by-case basis. Um, they get reviewed by, I think, either Commandant Operations or in our case, uh, being on the B team, the ECA officer. And um, we can always put up, request to do something that we maybe haven't been authorized to do. And then that's, you know, that's kind of up to that staff if they approve that or not.
2: So during the fall semester, did you have like
4: scrimmages against the A team to try to at least mimic a game? Um, we did have one morning um, where we had an intra-squad scrimmage. Um, we had the captains from um, both teams kind of sat down and split the teams. What we felt evenly, and we had blue versus gold. We put on the game jerseys, had, uh, had a couple of players that are dealing with some injuries that maybe couldn't go contact. Ref um, had the scoreboard going. So that's that's – and that – it was great. It was uh, high energy, fast paced, felt almost like a game because I think everyone's just itching to uh, to get in there. Um, we looked into trying to get some teams up here to play, but Army wasn't willing to come in the fall. Um, and then we were looking at getting Liberty University up here, but they they weren't able to as well. So
2: so our esteemed former uh, superintendent of the Naval Academy, Admiral Ted Carter, was an ice hockey player in to this day, speaks fondly of his experiences. He was an aviator and went by Slapshot as his call name. Um, I'm curious, did you, I, I presume you were a hockey player at the high school level. Did you kind of come to the Naval Academy with the antenna playing club ice hockey?
4: Yes, I did. So I, I didn't really realize in high school what, um, what club hockey was. Most of the guys from the program I played for ended up going Division One, like NCAA. So that was, that was all that was really um, on my radar. And then um, one, of my, one of my mom's cousins married a West Point graduate uh, who ended up coaching the club team at West Point. And that's, that's what really got that on my radar when I was looking into these schools and like, hey, there's club teams. And then Navy only had club. Uh, so I reached out to the coach at the time, who's no longer here, um, but he said, yeah, if you like if you come, we, we obviously don't recruit, but uh, if you come here and like guys, guys come here, they play hockey and it's a blast. So and yeah, he was he was dead on with that.
0: Well, Kevin, um, I, I really appreciate you making time, particularly when when so much is going on as I let you go. Who's your who's your favorite hockey team and who's your favorite hockey player?
4: My favorite team at the professional level is my hometown team, the Minnesota wild. Um, and then college college. I'd love to see Navy get an NCAA program someday, but until they do my favorite college team is uh, Minnesota Duluth. Um, and as for favorite player, I always liked watching Zach Parise growing up. Um, but I guess one of the guys I graduated just is um, in the Winnipeg, Winnipeg system now. So uh, he, might have to go and buy a uh, Dylan Sandberg jersey here in the next couple of years.
0: <laughs> well, of all the hockey gear out there, Winnipeg, I think, has the best gear. So, And there's nothing wrong as you mature and come along in your career as a Marine Corps officer. If you want to be a Flyers fan, you know, we're, we're taking them in. You know, there's always room on the bandwagon. We'll take you. Silence is the right answer to that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> w- so w- well done, Kevin. All right, Kevin, awesome, awesome interview. Totally varsity performance. I really appreciate you making time for us on Sync Seconds Sports, And thank you for the follow and the feedback on Twitter. Um, You know, I encourage all of your classmates and all your shipmates there to not only listen to the podcast, but keep giving us ideas. Keep keep throwing it to us on DM uh, so that the four of us can make this uh, podcast better and, and scratch your itch. Um, you know more effectively there in the hall. Good luck from us to you navigating the dark ages. Good luck navigating the, you know, the vaccine and the rest of the semester. And I, I know when commissioning day comes around in May uh, that the four of us will be rooting for you.
4: Thank you so much for having me.
0: All right, guys, that was Kevin Harris of the Naval Academy hockey team. We are going to go to break. And when we come back, we've got a great interview with naval academy lacrosse coach joe amplo as this season's uh, lacrosse rankings have just come out um so it looks like the return to normalcy might be upon us we'll see we'll be back stick with us here on sing second sports
3: sing second sports is brought to you by our friends at mills fine wine and spirits and academy consulting thank you for all of your support if you're interested in being a sponsor, drop us a DM at WeSingSecond. That's at WeSingSecond on Twitter. Now back to the pod.
0: So happy to be joined. His second time on the show by Navy men's lacrosse coach Joe Amplow. Uh The last time we talked to Joe Amplo, he was recently um, aboard. The, the pandemic had just recently taken hold. The season, his inaugural season as the head coach after coming in from Marquette, was lost after very few games. And now we're preparing for season number two. So coach number one, welcome back to the pod and thanks for joining us. And number two, what do you know of what a 2021 season might look like?
5: Well, thanks for having me again. It's a, it's a pleasure to talk to you guys. i um, confident in saying that we're, there will be a season. How much of that season we get through and uh, and how consistent it is, I I guess, will be determined by outside uh, influences, i.e., the coronavirus. You know, but uh, but there are games on the schedule, and we're pushing forward almost uh, almost immediately here to uh, to to get this thing going.
2: Joe, why don't we start off by Have you selected a captain,
5: Christian Daniel, and uh, and Nick Franchuk? We named those guys uh, after last, uh, spring. So, you know, sometime in June we had a vote and, uh, and those guys were elected captains. We, we just thought it was necessary to, uh, to, to establish that leadership hierarchy, uh, right away, especially with all the time we were spending away from each other. So, and those guys have done a tremendous job really learning how to lead in this, in this, uh, unique time.
1: No, I
2: think Christian and Nick are great choices for captains. Um, and I was just kind of de- reviewing the roster. I think also on Attack with Christian Daniel, you'll have Nick Cole returning. And I guess Tyler Periton, who really kind of emerged toward the end of last year. We already had this discussion that I was about to write a Tyler Periton feature the week that we, uh, the season got canceled. Also on the defensive end, you have a, a very veteran guy in Jeff Durden. Um, who else are you going to be counted on? Kind of as you look at a starting lineup, I, I midfield wise, I don't recognize a lot of proven names other than like Timmy Griffin, who's a defensive midfielder, a short stick defensive midfielder. But kind of mention some of the veteran guys. And we'll talk about this great freshman class later. Why don't you mention some of the other veteran guys you will be counting on?
5: Well, up front, you know, obviously you mentioned uh, Tyler Perrotton and, and CD and, and Nick Cole, but Jack Sweeney's a former starting attackman as well. You know, he's a guy who, who's who's played some minutes for Navy Lacrosse, and, and I think is accepting his role. You know, I think those four guys we're going to be able to count on consistently in some type of rotation. Uh, Dom Cole, which is Nick's younger brother, is a guy who's coming on, uh, may be able to uh, to give us a pop, and and, and Jonathan Girose, um, you know, from from uh, from Broadneck, I, I'm from, sorry, from Severn, he's a kid that. I think is going to just be, be lights out whether he, we put him at attack or midfield. We've got to get him on the field, you know. So, so up front, I think that's what we'll be looking at. Um, Midfield-wise, you know, Joe Delira, who's played a lot of minutes, uh, we'll see some time. We kind of call, call him the fur missile because uh, you just throw him into a building and he just goes crazy. Um, he's, uh, he's got that energy and uh, probably the most competitive kid on our roster. Uh, Michael Foster is back from injury and is looking great. Didn't play at all last year, but was an impactful player uh, prior to my arrival. And, uh, and if he gets his confidence up, I think he could be an excellent player. You mentioned Tim Griffin. I believe Tim Griffin is as good of a short stick as there is out there. And I've been blessed to be around some, some of the best, You know, going back to Kevin Unterstein and Steven DiNapoli and Jake Richard and Julian Watts. And those guys are all playing in the pros and playing for Team USA. He's as good as them. He really is. Uh, interesting comment. Uh, Dave Petromala came to a few of our practices and and he watched a scrimmage and uh, I stood with him during one scrimmage and the one I I had said, we're going to come up with the Petro MVP award for the scrimmage. And he picked out Tim Griffin five minutes in and we we watched him because he does everything for us that people normally don't see. Uh, And I think if you study the game, you're going to see him make a lot of those plays. One-on-one defense, ground balls, wings of face-off, clearing the ball. He's kind of our workhorse, uh, and I would put Colin Meehan in a close second place to that. Uh, on the back end, you know, you're missing Andrew McKenna. He's going to be a four, almost a four-year starter for us. You know, um, and as as impressive as Nick Franchuk is, I think McKenna is kind of the quiet guy back there who's who just does his job. He may not get the marquee matchup but he's a solid one-on-one defender. He's got a lot of experience and he's got this calming presence. Uh, Durden, we're expecting good things from him. I want him to raise his level, level of competitiveness. And if he does, I think he could be a very impactful long stick middie, not just in the conference, but nationwide.
2: Well, I was uh, going to ask you about that. You got Durden as more of an LSM?
5: Yeah, I think he's more suited for that. You know, okay. he's, a, he's a solid one-on-one defender, but where he's best, Bill, is – um. He's best in between the lines. He's an offensive threat, and the way we're trying to play, uh, he brings that. You know, he brings that uh, that kind of savviness in between the lines, and that energy to get up and down the field. He's got a great stick. Um, I wouldn't say he's a lockdown defender yet, but we're trying to get him to be. Um, so uh, he's definitely more suited for the for the um, for the long stick, midi position.
2: And I guess the goals wide open. I mean, you lost Ryan Kern which was a shame that he wasn't able to play his senior year because he was an outstanding goalie. And I think he was poised for a tremendous season, but the one goalie name I recognize is Spencer Reese who had two older brothers that played for Navy. They were outstanding players. Um, but uh, is, uh, where, where are you in goal?
5: Yeah, I think, you know, if we were going to play a game tomorrow, it would be Spencer's job. Um, and one, because he's a senior and has put his time in uh, two because of his performance, he's earned that position. However, there are guys who are kind of nipping at his heels and uh, it, it may become a scenario where we split halves um, or we're in this rotation because I feel very good about our goalie unit. You know, Rob Campos, our coach has done a great job with those guys developing the younger talent and uh, putting those guys in position. Now it comes down to performance. Who can, who can perform the next few weeks here, show us that they have consistency. And, uh, and then we go into the game, and see what happens. But Spencer, I would say is the guy right now.
1: Hey, coach. Uh, thanks for coming back. Um, so are we still doing the uh, NAAA rule where we can't spend the night anywhere? And how is that going to impact the away
5: games? Yes, we, we are. We're, we're all on board for just making it day trips. And, uh, and I'm in complete agreement. You know, the safety of these young men and women are the most important thing to us and uh, to put us in an environment that may not be as sanitary and, uh, and and risk the exposure in a hotel. It wouldn't be fair to to, to the entire brigade. So, as uh, challenging as that will be, uh, I believe it's the right call. Um, you know, we're, we're lucky that it looks like our uh, our schedule is balanced more towards home games uh, relative compared to away games. Uh, our away games in the Patriot League are a little bit longer. It looks like um, we'll have to manage that. You know, and we'll have to manage getting off a bus and, uh, and learning how to, to be ready to play. You know, and what that looks like, Ward, I don't know if that means we stop halfway and stretch and do some calisthenics on the side of the road. We get <laughs> the rock music going the last hour of the trip. I, I'm not sure, but we're going to have to get creative um, because the expectation is when that whistle blows, we've got to be ready to play. No excuses, you know, and um, it'll be an, a, a new challenge, but truthfully, I don't think it's a challenge that's unique just to the Naval Academy. You know, talking to my peers across the country, I would say most are, are up against something similar, you know. Uh, so we'll, we'll figure it out. It's old school.
1: So what, what are we working on now? Just basic stick skills, ground balls, clears, you know, how do we build it so we are ready when we hit the field on the
5: 20th of February? We've got to go through that resocialization of sports. So seven days of small groups, groups of fifteen, then another seven days of half the roster. Uh, so it's a two-week kind of resocialization process, which would lend to more skill work those first first seven days, no contact, and then a little bit more contact that second week, and then kind of hit the gas pedal that third week to try and get some full field stuff in before we would then have an exhibition game. And that's why I think that exhibition game is critical. Because there's going to be some – just the anxiety. We haven't played a game. and You haven't seen another color jersey in almost 12 months, right? So, yeah. you know, I was joking with some of my peers. Forget about the first game being anything we taught these kids. They're going to be so excited to play. Everything we taught them is going to go out the window um, because they haven't been on a field with anybody in a, in a year, you know? Um, so I think our – our timeline for instruction looks a little bit different than it would have a year ago because we don't have the full team all at once, but that's going to give us an opportunity to really focus on the skills like you suggest and uh, get that individual technique hopefully tuned up. So um, it could be worse. It's not the ideal situation, but but it is, uh, it's what we've, we've got to work with.
1: So in general, how would you describe your strategy? Is it... Is it creating unsettled situations? Is it more shots on goal? Is it around the circle? Wait for the cutter. Be patient. What, how, how would you describe your approach to to the game?
5: Yeah. So we want to play offense from the defensive end. That's our initial, oppor- initial opportunity. We we can't waste that athleticism we have in the middle of the field and that that stress you put on the defense the first ten or fifteen seconds of a possession. We worked really hard in the fall to teach our guys just time, not time management, but game management in those situations and decision-making so that we can be aggressive, right? And then after that, if you don't get the the shot you're looking for, or you don't you know, put pressure on the, uh, the, the defense in that scenario, at least you've softened them up a little bit. And maybe in that next stage of a possession, you've given your offense a little bit more of an opportunity. I, I just think if we're going to compete if we're going to compete against the best teams in the country and be consistent within our league competing at the top, we can't rely just on a half-field offensive set. We, we, we can't do it. It's simply because we're not going to get the best offensive players consistently all the time, right? We've got to rely on kids like Tim Griffin and Colin Meehan and Albie Frat, those guys who can run from defense to offense and give us a little bit of a, of a boost. Right. Uh, so, you know, if you look at if we're, we're, our goal is to get between 10 and 12 goals in a game, we're not going to get 12 six on six goals. Right. We're, we're going to need to get one or two off the ride, maybe one off the face right. off, two or three or four in transition, one or two men up and then four or five in, in six on six. That's that's our formula, you know, and that's got to be our formula. And some days, some of those areas are going to be less and some are going to be more. Uh, just like playing golf, you know, we never putt, hit our irons or, or drive the ball great every day, unless you're wax, <laughs> uh, you know, some days you're putting great, you know, so it's the same thing for lacrosse. We may not get a goal off the ride one day, but we might get three men up, you know, or we might get four or five in transition and a six on six game isn't as good, you know? So I just want to be that more well-rounded team. It's more fun to play. It's harder to scout. And I think you give yourself more opportunity, um, to, uh, to, to be successful. Yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely more fun to watch. And it's more fun to watch. Heck yeah, yeah you know? Yeah. Heck yeah. yeah. So. so, Wags, over to you.
2: Well, Joe, I'm going to go back to the recruiting class, and we spoke about this the last time we had you on, but I'm reading again from the release. Uh, Joe Amploy has announced a 19-player incoming class, which ranks number one in the country by Inside Lacrosse. That line still amazes me navy number one recruiting class over the north carolinas the virginias the johns hopkins the syracuse the marylands the ones that normally are dominate the one through ten um so who of this is this class going to make an impact i think you mentioned jonathan jaros who is a Severn school product Gambrills resident he's six foot five 220 pounds he's a load I believe that's the kid you mentioned as being an impact player in the
5: midfield. Yeah, he's absolutely an impact player right away. Um and we're trying to tell him that. like he's a freshman who can if if he gets confident and and he he develops the way we think he can, I mean he could he can turn out to be our number one midi, you know, and, and play on our first line. He's that talented and that impactful. You know, he's a problem when when he's confident. but that's a challenge with a freshman, I think especially here to see how he handles everything that this institution throws at him and what that does to his psyche, what that does to his, his physical ability, right. And how he shows up to the practice field every day, you know, he's got all the tools to play at the highest level and compete. um, But is he going to be mentally there, you know, and that's our challenge as a coaching staff to, to help guide him towards that, you know, and that'll be fun. That'll be a fun challenge for us. Um, But I think the beauty of this, this recruiting class, it's not just the star power of, of guys like him and Jackson Bonnets uh, and Dane Swanson. It's more the depth. You know, there are guys that they can compete right now, but also I look at them a year from now, two years from now, and as this roster starts to turn over, all of these kids have the ability to make an impact. You know, they really do at some point in their career. And I think that's what a good recruiting class does. You know, it gives you some pop right away that you can feel, you, know, you, you can feel their impact. But also, you can see a vision for guys as they develop down the ro- down the road and fit them in to uh, to where your program needs them later on. and uh, And that's what I see for this group. You know, defensively, Jackson Bonnets is going to be a guy that we're going to rely on right away, absolutely right away. He's uh, as advertised, um, and uh, and he's a great kid. I think the the best thing about him is his, his willingness to learn. You know, he's got a humble heart, and uh, and he's a really great learner you know, which is impressive for a kid as talented as him. Dane Swanson is another one. His dad's a Naval Academy grad. He's a McDonough School product. And, uh, you know, he's every bit as good as Juros. Me being from Long Island, I got to toughen him up a little bit because he's a Baltimore kid, but uh, but that's all right. I know I
1: know his dad very well, Coach. He was a Tomcat pilot. Um, yeah,
5: so yeah. I'm going to remind him that, that. His dad was a Tomcat pilot, and yeah. we need you to play like a Tomcat pilot. All right? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, Maybe yeah, not. Uh, to toughen him up. I think you're right, toughening him up.
2: Yeah, Jackson Bonitz is a big-time prospect. He's one of the top recruits in the entire class. He's a solid defenseman. I guess you're looking at him as a close defenseman,
5: Coach. Yeah, you know, he is absolutely going to play close defense. But I think the beauty of our lineup is you're going to see us start to put two poles up top simply because we've got a great short stick unit that we can play. We're going to start to be creative defensively where we're going to put those short sticks in different positions to try and win some matchups, you know, where if Jackson Bonnets is going to cover the second defenseman and Tim Griffin, a t- second attackman, if Tim Griffin can guard him with a short stick, let's put Jackson Bonnets on the number one and number two midi. And now we've taken out some dodging options for them defensively. And we're also creating some havoc at the faceoff off acts by putting two poles up there, you know, where, you know, I think our, the missing ingredient for us. And I said this to our face-off crew last night, the missing ingredient for this team is we've got to get the face-off to 55%. And it doesn't mean we need a face-off, got to be 55%. Our team needs to be 55%. And that could be winning the ball back off the ride of the face-off or picking up a ground ball in a three-on-three situation. If we can get the te- this team to 55% facing off consistently, we're going to have a chance against anybody. We're going to have a chance. So we're going to look to get, be creative and do things uh, that we weren't able to do last year because our depth wasn't there you know? So I think Jackson is one of those players that gives us that ability because he can play down low and up top.
2: Lastly, before we turn it back to John to close out, I'm guessing that one of the top recruits in this class that we probably won't see on the lacrosse field this season is one Xavier Arline, who started at quarterback in the Army-Navy game. Um, Spring football looms, and I'm guessing that lacrosse may not work this season, but I'm hoping we will see him on the lacrosse field down the road because he wants to play lacrosse at the collegiate level. And, uh, but why don't you talk about Xavier and his future with Navy lacrosse? And then lastly, when we talk about a recruiting class, one thing that does dawn on me is that these freshmen haven't played lacrosse in a year. Cause none of them played any high school lacrosse last season.
5: Yeah. Well, let me hit that comment first, Wags. Um, That's interesting. You know, so the reaction to these guys against an outside opponent, I'm curious, right? As good as they may look in practice and as comfortable as they may seem, they may go poopoo in their panties when, uh, when someone comes out out with another color jersey, you know? So um, that's why I think an exhibition game is so important, you know, because when you line up against someone else at the college level and you're a kid who hasn't even played a meaningful high school lacrosse game in, in almost two years, you know, um, man, it's a little different, you know, it's a little different. So they could be a little starstruck. Uh, So I'm curious to see how they respond there. Uh, But in terms of Xavier, first of all, what a great kid. I mean, to go through the challenges of this institution and COVID and learn the triple option with a very small window of time and become the starting quarterback for Navy football, I mean, just the mental aptitude that that young man has is so impressive. And, uh, and as I told him when we were recruiting him you know, with, with Kenny, I said, look, Xavier, you know the impact you can make on the lacrosse field. I'm not here to, 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 you know, to kiss up to you or, or tell, you, tell you that overwhelmingly. You know you can impact this program. I'm here to tell you that I want to facilitate your dreams. And if your dreams include being having lacrosse as part of your equation, we're here for you in any form or fashion. As a part-time player, as a full-time player in the spring, but you're going to drive this. I'm never going to beg you to come play. The opportunity is there. And, uh, and honestly, Wags, I did not have a conversation with him regarding lacrosse until just after Christmas. Our conversations all through the fall were just, how are you doing? What do you need? Tell me what's going on. And, uh, and I think he and I both appreciated that relationship being built. And we had a pretty frank conversation right after Christmas. And I could just hear it in his voice. He wasn't ready. You know, he wasn't ready to, uh, he knows that in order for him to be the starting quarterback on day one next year against Air Force, he has got to build equity with his teammates and establish himself as a leader and, and get better, get reps on that, in that offense. And I respect him for that. And he's driven to become that player and to become that human being that this institution needs. Um, so I'm excited for him. So right now we're not going to see him this spring, unless something changes um, and Kenny throws him out of practice and yells and screams at him and, and he comes over to the lacrosse field. We'll certainly take him, you know. But uh, but right now I don't think it's in the cards. So
0: coach, as we go out, you were also a very accomplished football and lacrosse player in high school in a very competitive area of the country. Did you impart any of your personal experience to Xavier as he was weighing this decision?
5: Honestly, I think I hurt myself by telling them like high school football was the absolute best athletic experience of my life. I mean, I think that's where I got my love for, for team and, uh, and my passion for the work you put in and seeing the results and just the excitement and energy that a team sport brings high school football set that foundation for me. And, uh, and I told them, I, you know, I miss those, those days, those days of third and two and, or fourth and one. And, you know. Uh, trying to get that that goal accomplished. There's nothing like it, you know. And I can imagine, you know, the the excitement that he feels being a part of this program. Um, so I'm not sure how much I helped my chances of seeing that kid with a lacrosse stick in his hands, you know. But <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I know I speak for uh, Ward and Wags and Chris Cervello when when I say that I really hope that that the return to normalcy continues as vaccines continue to be. Uh, distributed that, that w- we will find ourselves in the place where we really find the most enjoyment, and that is in the parking lot of Navy Marine Corps Stadium before we actually enter Navy Marine Corps Stadium to watch a lacrosse game. The parking <laughs> lot part is mandatory at the beginning just for myriad reasons, but, uh, but we certainly hope that you have a normal season uh, so you can have a proper inaugural season, and we look forward to talking to your team captains and uh, many other lacrosse players as the season goes on.
5: I appreciate it guys. It's a great thing you're doing for all of us. So uh, it's a pleasure to be with you today.
0: All right, coach. Thank you so much. Be that was guys. coach thank Joe you Amplow of the Navy lacrosse program. We're going to head to break when we come back. Wags, Ward, and I will take this baby out. Stick with us. This is Sing second sports.
3: You're listening to sing second sports with John Schofield, Ward Carroll, and special guest, Bill Wagner of the Annapolis Capitol. If you like what you hear, hit like below and share with your classmates and friends. Let us know how we're doing. Hit us up on Twitter at Second. That's at Second. Now back to the pod.
0: All right, all right, we're back. Really jazzed about the interviews and the discussion. It was really fun. As we go out, I'll mention a couple of things. Uh, right now, it's the one-year anniversary of... Uh, this time last year when uh, Chris Cervello and I were at the Waste Management Open in Scottsdale, Arizona. But a really fun event and makes me uh, wish for, uh, for days past, for sure. Before you step off of that, if there is, and I know that you know, there are people that roll their eyes when
3: we talk about golf, but um, what a dichotomy between the 16th hole uh, there in uh, Scottsdale um, last year, uh, on the Wednesday practice round, as it went crazy, they had a DJ uh, as they tried to see who was closest to the hole. And then, uh, yesterday when it was dead silent, um, I mean, yeah. you want to talk about, you, you know, the new normal, you, you juxtapose that to the comments that we heard from Kevin and, you, you know, all the midshipmen, boy, you really do get a sense what a difference a year makes, uh, as we've, uh, as we've gone through this.
0: Yeah, it was completely different, right? Like we were, you know, Tony Finau was putting on Kobe's jersey because Kobe had just died. You know, that was our, those were our problems back then. We had no idea how dark those storm clouds were and I'm not trying to take anything away from the gravity of Kobe's death, but those were our problems last year was navigating crowds at the waste management open. Um, (laughs) I I really wish I was doing that again. Um, One other thing I'd really like to to mention is yesterday was Girls and Women in Sports Day. Um, I went through the sports directory on uh, Navy Athletics or NavySports.com, counted about 50 members of the staff or the sports staff at the Naval Academy who were women. Thank you from us to them for everything that they do. And and I hope everyone remembers that Girls and Women in Sports Day should be every single day um hopefully we can celebrate that i know that during the super bowl and we'll get to our picks here in a minute um it'll be the first time ever that a female official is officiating the uh, the super bowl so that's a great thing um but did not want this pod to go by without um at least a shout out for that and all of the women athletes and administrators and staff at the naval academy thank you for what you do uh from us at sing second sports so I mentioned the Super Bowl, and I know, Wags, as we go out, you've got some news about Pete Medhurst, our friend, as well. But I'll start it off by, uh, by doing the Super Bowl picks. I am a notorious Tom Brady hater. Uh, my pick is the Chiefs 41-10 to 10 and multiple torn ACLs for Tom Brady, hopefully. Wags and Ward, what do you say?
2: Well, first of all, I'll start off by uh, talking about what you just alluded to. Pete Medhurst, friend of the show. Uh, the longtime voice of Navy sports uh, on the radio, doing everything from lacrosse to basketball to football. You name it, he's doing it. Uh, Pete, a pretty big deal for him in his career. He has been named the drive time host on the Team 980 sports station out of Washington, D.C. He'll be paired with Chris Russell, uh, who goes by the nickname Russell Mania. But uh, Pete's been with 106.7. For the bulk of his time with 106.7, he's uh, been doing the hourly updates, uh, sports updates, and then he fills in on shows and he does uh, some stuff with the Nationals pregame and whatnot. But to to get a gig as a uh, drive-time host of, uh, uh, on a show on a pretty major network is a big deal. So congratulations to Pete. I'm with you, John. Uh, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs are just two... That offense is just too powerful. Nobody can stop it when it's clicking, and they've got all their weapons, which they do. Uh, so I take the Chiefs uh, probably, I'm going to say more like 38-21. Tom Brady will make it competitive. Uh, don't know what kind of advantage Tampa will have by playing in its own stadium, but, which is the first time in history that's ever happened, uh, but I, I can't see Tampa Bay being able to score, outscore the Chiefs. Ward?
1: Um, first, I want to comment on your statement that should be carved in stone. It's the one year anniversary of this time last year. That's that's wise. That's,
0: <laughs> I have. I have wisdom.
1: That's some I wisdom. Safe. I want to, I want that on a T-shirt.
3: <laughs> I think we okay. found the title for
0: the podcast.
1: <laughs> yeah, I want. No, that's a sing second T-shirt.
0: I, I usually save my awkwardness for my outs. So I'm trying to do yeah, it in the middle.
1: No, that that was beautiful. That was really good. Um, that's <laughs> heavy and stuff. Um, so <laughs> I share our uh, Tom Brady ire, although I respect his ability to win, you know, at age, whatever he is, a million years old. Um, so, and I, the idea of Tampa Bay or Tampa Brady just is, is nauseating. So let's say, Chiefs 35, I think it's going to be closer. Chiefs 35, Patriots 28 um, is what I'm, I'm liking. Uh, and, and so, you know, go Chiefs. Andy Reid, good dude. Mahone, very talented, agile quarterback. Like you said, their offense is a true threat. So that, that's, that's my prediction.
0: Yeah, normally the other thing that we're looking forward to as we go out is the, with the coming of spring is also the coming of baseball. For uh, Chris and myself, that usually means another year of watching the Orioles break our hearts. But the future is bright, Chris, as we have signed Felix the Cat Hernandez to a minor league deal. So speaking of a million years old, that's definitely the answer, I think. So Orioles in 2021, World Series champions. You heard it here for Ward Carroll and Bill Wagner and Chris Ravello. I'm John Schofield. Thanks for joining us on this week's pod. We can't wait to see you next week. Go Chiefs.